Happy Halloween, everyone, and welcome to Radio Radar episode 55. My name is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor at Games Radar. This week on our spooky... I can't even... I can't even do the fake spooky voice. Uh, this week on the show, we talk a lot about World of Final Fantasy, uh, which is finally out in the world. We talk a little bit about Gears of War 4 and the changing landscape of gamers' relationships with the AAA scene of video games compared to the smaller indies. And speaking of indies, uh, we want your Halloween to be awesomely scary. So we talk about games that don't seem like they would be super scary, but actually are pretty damn scary, uh, including Thumper, The Bunker, Corpse Party, and others. And we actually go into talking about really, really scary movies that you might not think are that scary. Listen on. The Humpty Dance is your chance to do the hump. Do the hump. Do the hump. Yo, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you used to. I look funny, but you're making money. See, Okay, I'm sorry. Yes! Yes! I love the Humpty Dance more than is reasonable. I love the, the Humpty, Humpty Dance, and I love the the the, the, the Homestar episode when they reference it, uh, and Coach Z is he's like, my name is Oge Z. Yes! <laughs> with an O-Z. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I remember very distinctly walking into a swim meet when I was seven years old in 1989 and just yelling, they call me Humpty, and getting disqualified. <laughs> what? Yeah. You got yeah. disqualified for that? Yeah, apparently, like, they took umbrage with me saying hump. Wow. And, like, guys, it's a little kid imitating a song. Yeah. On, on, and a great song. It is. Like, not a, not a shitty song, like an amazing song. Yeah. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, to... <laughs> Welcome to Radio Radar. Uh, my name is Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor at Games Radar, and I am joined by the wonderful, the brilliant Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. Hello. Um, my son is dressing up like Marty McFly for Halloween. Oh, and awesome. I'm really excited to take him out so he can get us all the candy because he's not going to eat it. What era of Marty McFly? Oh, the first movie. He's got the puffy vest. He's got the puffy vest. Puffy awesome. vest, like the two, like the the collared shirts and the the, the acid wash jeans. Oh my god. Yeah, I would, I, there will be pictures. <laughs> when people ask who he's supposed to be, you should just go mayor. <laughs> not a bad idea, <laughs> mayor. Uh. Just go, just go with the weirdest way to tell them what movie you're talking about. We are also joined by the effervescent, the illuminating executive editor, Susan Arndt. I need to tell you about this terrible thing my mom did to me when I was a child. So, I needed a costume for a party, and it was very last minute. And my mom came up with an idea that is, admittedly, quite clever. Unless you are a tween age girl, hmm. she dressed me up like a bag of dog food. <laughs> oh, that is mm-hmm. cold blooded. Yep, it was. Uh, I mean, was she again, gutted for you? Like, <laughs> my, my my mom 
loved me and my brother very, very much. She should never have had children. There's just certain <laughs> fundamental things she never quite grasped. And again, very, very clever. She took a, 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 okay, so Purina dog food came in a big green bag. So she took a big green trash bag. It's the same size. And then she cut out all the identifying, like, parts of the bag and then taped it on there, like with double-sided tape. Quite clever. Yeah. Not... Not what, like, no. as an adult, you could wear that costume. Yeah, like, you, it, the people who you are interacting with need to be drunk in some way, right. I think. Right. Or, have, or at least have, like, an appreciation of irony, which right. you don't right. really yes. have as a 12 yeah. year old. Yeah, you just, yeah. Mm hmm. So, what was, your, what was your best Halloween costume of all time, Susan? My best, okay. Uh, it's, it's Thai, really. Uh, again, my mom made me the most amazing bird costume. It was awesome. It had, I had like wings with feathers on and she made me this great big beak and I had great big felt feet. It was awesome. It was really great. Um, but then when I was in college, I went as Zorro. Nice. Yep. Mask, sword, hat, the whole nine yards. The whole shebang. That's pretty badass. That's super badass. Uh, Lyra, my daughter, Lyra, was going to be Ben Affleck in that scene from Goodwill Hunting <laughs> when he's pretending to be Will at a job interview. I don't and even he's understand. like, Retainer! Retainer! I don't. <laughs> that's. Yeah. That's, okay. what Lyra, Lyra, that's what Lyra was going to be. <laughs> Why? 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 It's an awesome costume. No, it's not! It's dumb! <laughs> It's a super awesome costume. So you don't ask him like, why when you're talking to Anthony. You just... Well, it's, <laughs> don't worry no, no, about no, it. Let no, it roll. No, 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 no. See, if he told me that it was, you know, it was, she was the, 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 the art that's on the B side of some obscure jazz record, like that, I would be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's totally something you do to your kid. I get that. Ben Affleck in one scene from like a twenty-year-old what? Retainer, <laughs> you suspect? Uh, yeah, Kate, Kate, Kate was like, we're getting her a normal baby Halloween costume. I was like, I already got her a normal Halloween baby costume. I got her a three-piece suit and athletic socks, like Ben Affleck is wearing in that scene from Goodwill Hunting. And Kate was like, no. Uh, so now she's gonna be Wonder Woman. I did get her the socks though. Well, the socks uh, are great. I mean, I yeah, saw socks. I, the socks, socks are perfect. I saw a picture like, of the socks, and that's they're amazing. They, they are pretty great. Dave, what was your greatest Halloween costume of all time? Um, I won a speed racer one year. Ooh, that's pretty great. Nice. Like made that the shirt. Awesome. And, yeah. Um, like yeah, it was actually we we could I couldn't find the shirt, so we had to make it. Um, because it's like oh you, you know a blue collared shirt but the collar is white and the sleeves yeah. are white like that's, yeah, no, that's nobody makes crazy. that no, <laughs> it's not the say. 60s anymore um <laughs> so yeah so we made that we painted the g on the on the front of uh, the shirt and i wore an ascot and uh, it was mostly nice. an excuse for me to wear an ascot um that's so good. i support that but yeah, yeah. I tried to be Racer X in college, and as I was... That's another one where, like, you've got to make that. Mm-hmm. And so I had a pair of combat boots. I was, like, covered. And I got, like, some, like, really tight white raver pants. I was, like, covered. And then I tried to make the mask and the shirt with, like, the X on it. And I was like, this is not working. I've got to... <laughs> 
That's no. I'm just gonna go as myself again. I'm not sure and I know what Racer X looks. Like. Oh, yeah, he had the like the yeah. black hood with a white X crossing. That's it. really was, hard. Yeah, I mean that really. Mm, yeah. You, okay, you could you could do it, but it's gonna need some prep. Yeah, you you could do it, and but like I have no seamstress skills at all. Yeah, like, I have no sewing skills, and it was just like the materials that I could get at the age of nineteen. Right. Were too shitty. Like right. it was, you know, it was going to be like a black ski mask that I got in an army navy. That's store what I'm saying. It's like with you, scotch you a, tape over it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You can do it. It's going to look pretty busted. So the 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 all time best Halloween costume that I've ever had. We've actually uh, regular listeners will remember my Vincent Valentine costume. Ah uh, yes. Which is not my greatest costume of all time. It's my not greatest, the greatest costume. Anything, man. It's the, it is the greatest oh. thing to wear to a regional jazz fest. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, I, I <laughs> so I went. I went to a like died in the wool Catholic school for high school, uh, Christian Brothers Academy. Oh no! And so in eighth grade, uh, I was struggling to come up with a really good costume until I was in a Halloween store and saw a luminous white robe, and I was like, I got it. I'll be God. <laughs> oh my oh my god, dude. Oh my god. And so 13-year-old me went into the bathroom uh and in the morning on the day everybody was allowed to dress up and I put on a big bushy white wig and a big bushy white fake beard <laughs> and a luminous white robe and Birkenstocks and burst out of the bathroom going, "I am among you." Oh my God. And walked straight up to the headmaster, Brother Michael Shubnell, and said, I am very disappointed in you, my son. Oh my God! <laughs> At which point I received two weeks of detention yep. and had to go around for the rest of the day telling everybody that I was actually the ghost of Jerry Garcia. <laughs> so. There you go. Happy Halloween, everybody. Suddenly, suddenly so many things have crystallized. <laughs> It was really good. I was I I needed to come up with a a topper for my seventh grade costume, which was Barney Rubble. Oh, that's and good one. I mean, yeah, Bar- Barney Rubble's just a brown sheet, mm-hmm. and so everybody's and like, a "Are you?" Re-? Yeah, it, like and a necktie, and uh, uh, I, I had a club. I brought around a club, and uh, the best part uh, for what seventh grade boys think is funny. Oh, God. Is when you wear the Barney Rubble costume and then nothing under. Yep. Well, that was obvious. <laughs> That's that is clutch. Yeah. So God was the only way I could up the ante. Uh, but yeah, that was that was that was that was my best one. Um, <laughs> man, I'm nothing this year. I'm not. I'm not dressing up. I think I'm just gonna wear a smoking jacket and a top hat when kids come to my door to give out candy. Yeah, that's not creepy and at all. Not a- <laughs> And then I would hey kids! Really theatrical. Hi. You want some candy? You uh, so you, video you, games. You video are games. not a normal man. You're very normal. By the way, normalist. Uh, I I did not see this when it aired. Just since we're since we're talking about Halloween stuff, if you have yet to see the David Pumpkins sketch, oh yes, from Saturday Night Live, <laughs> yeah. I cannot urge you enough to seek it out. It shouldn't be funny. 
It shouldn't be. It should oh, be the stupidest is. thing you've ever seen. And, and they do the they do the thing that I hate on SNL skits where they they do the weird thing and then two of the people in the sketch just explain the weird thing that they saw. Again, like, yeah. oh, that was weird. The thing that we just literally saw. Let me explain it to you in perfect detail. And then it happens again. Like, it's the worst. But man, Tom Hanks. It yeah. It works so perfectly. It's just this. I, I I just you you must you must. It's that go Oingo Boingo looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, I pointed this out to Dave, but there has been like a recurring theme for the past like half a season on SNL. Okay. Where it there will just be some sketch where the joke is a weirdo in a garish suit. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And has like a full name. Larry David did one where he showed up as, like, a, a guy in an orange suit in an FBI shooting range and would just, like, pop up and be like, Can a bitch get a donut? <laughs> yeah. And, like, so apparently all of the, like, David Pumpkins, that one with, with him, there was another one just a few weeks ago where it was, like, a stretched Hummer at a Burger King, and every time it stopped at a window, another weird person with a specific name in a weird suit would show up. And it's all one writer. And I, like, I love that this guy's thing is sketches <laughs> about people with bizarre full names in garish suits making other people uncomfortable. That's uh, an amazing comedy. <laughs> it's just... The, 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 the David Pumpkins one, what... What just speaks to me about it is if you were watching any video game content on television 10, 15 <laughs> years ago, the attempt to to relate to the audience yes. was so off. It was all <laughs> like it was it was all like snap into a Slim Jim style banter. Mm -hmm. And that's what that reeks of. The, yes. the David, P and I'm like, oh my god, I identify with this so much. Oh my god, it's perfect. <laughs> have you ever? Have you? Oh man, there's. I I need to send you the link, and we'll we'll pop this into the Games Radar Twitter feed because it's worth sharing. There was an attempt to have a Game Pro like television show. Oh God, and this was like early early in game pro's life mm -hmm. and i like i think they may have distributed it as vhs tapes before it was like even airing anywhere wow okay and there, there are only a few episodes and they have like your cool teen hosts oh. and it's exactly what you're talking about like oh. at one point they're talking about x-men for the nes and there's this doofy 15-year-old kid who's like, Magneto and his band of chumpsters are trying oh, to God. beat up the X-Men. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. It's an entire show based off of the Game Pro face. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, uh, man. So, we we have one big video game this week to talk about that is brand new. There, there are all these wonderful games that are, like, we're now into Prime release territory titanfall 2 is out today when we're recording this but the three of us have only played you know the the beta tests so we we can't talk about that just yet uh dave houghton's review of it is glowing he loved it yeah uh and dishonored 2 
is a few weeks away and uh, you know, Call of Duty is coming. But the thing that we've uh, been playing and that Dave has finished and his review is up is World of Final Fantasy, which is uh, a favorite topic of, of these podcasters since we saw it and wondered what the hell it was. <laughs> and now we know. Uh, and unfortunately, the answer is both uh, that it is as weird as we wanted it to be, but also not quite as good as we wanted it's it to fine. be. It's fine. It yeah. gets a patented David Roberts fine question mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That, like, the problem with it is that it starts out really strong, right? Mm. So, like, it, it's very Kingdom Heartsian. You have these two plucky teens, and they, they go off on adventures, and they're all very, very witty and jovial and like the 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 plot is just throwing like the this woman shows up and her and her name is Anna Crow but the crow has has an s at the end of it and also she's god and yeah, she's god yeah and so there's all this stuff happening within the first 5 minutes and I'm watching it going like oh no they're they're going down the Kingdom Hearts hole. This is going to be... Oh, no. But then, like, within the first five to ten minutes, both the main characters are, like, gleefully breaking the fourth wall and mocking how silly everything is. Like, like none of this makes sense. The the Lon, the, the boy, uh, is... He is... He's a dumb dumb. He is an idiot, and and they make fun of him constantly because he just doesn't get anything that's going on. He's just like, let's go capture monsters and do stuff, and I'm stupid. And like, it's it can be kind of grating in a way, like like in a way that you know Saturday morning cartoon shows can be grating. But um, I also found it to be kind of charming. In that same way. So, like, it, you know, your mileage may vary on that. There, there's one character in particular, uh, Tama, your little, like, fox-tailed companion, who has this weird affectation where she adds the word the before random words. So she's, she's and, like, and, my mom talking about the internet. It's, but, Ma, but it's I, I think the Google is word. broken. Yes, but, yeah, like... No, but, it would be, like, the Google is a the broken. Yeah. yeah, and there's no explanation for it, and it's so like it's not even like a charming affectation. That yeah, has, like charm to the character. It's just weird. It's weird. Mm. Nobody acknowledges that she does it. Okay. And, and yeah, and, and like my wife, like I was playing it in the room, and every time that Tom would talk, my wife would just give me this big old stink eye. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's. <laughs> <laughs> video games i guess uh like and it and it makes me wonder if it's like if there's some sort of weird speech mannerism in japanese mm-hmm. where it makes more sense and sure. it just doesn't translate well into english i mean but like the thing is is so we had the we had a a uh, really actually interesting dude on to talk to us about the game who his title makes him sound like he wouldn't be interesting, the brand manager of World of Final Fantasy. But he's actually a really cool cat. He was on the show and, you know, very, very uh, involved with the developers. And the interesting thing he told us is that this is the first big Final Fantasy game that was developed for a worldwide release all at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the English script was written at the exact same time as the Japanese script. Yeah. And the director was involved. So it's not even like 
a localization team trying to cleverly recreate a local mannerism. Yeah. Like, they did it on purpose from the start in English, and, and who well, the and hell knows why. Yeah, because there are very specific jokes that only make sense. And, it, like, there, there's a joke later on in the game where you go to Bethsaida Island, and they specifically call out that bit when Titus does that ha 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 like they make a straight up like Titus laugh joke and it's amazing and it's the kind of joke that would only exist in English because I don't think that that was a problem in the Japanese <laughs> dub you know it's weird um but yeah like you you go to all these different locations you get to hang out with Final Fantasy characters it's really it the plot is stupid but it's stupid in a way that it's like just really light and breezy and you're just kind of along for the ride. And then something happens <laughs> around 15 mm -hmm. hours in. The story gets more interesting because it starts like it starts getting more serious and the plot twists start happening and it's like, "Oh, like this game's getting kind of real." But by the time that you hit that point, um, you've broken the game. Your, your characters are so overleveled, uh, you've unlocked so many different abilities, you've gotten so many different monsters that, like, you can just steamroll through most enemy encounters without switching out your monster loadouts, you can, um, yeah, so, because, yeah, the basic idea is that it's kind of like Pokemon, you're capturing these monsters and you, you level them up and they do battle with you, and you can stack them on top of your head, and stacking them increases your strength, and that sort of thing, and, like, for a while, it's it's really, it's simple, but it's interesting, like, you, you actually have to pay attention to the, to the way that enemy weaknesses and strengths play out, and kind of tailor your loadout to the specific area, area that you're in, but after a while, uh, the game just gets way too easy, and you can just sort of spam physical attacks to to plow through the endless the the random bout battle uh encounter rate is absurd in this game and see man i so i i didn't play i only played about four hours i mm -hmm. played past like the first big dungeon and even in the first dungeon i i you know i was like wow they really went the classic final fantasy yeah. route because you're getting into a goddamn fight every two steps yeah and, like, it, w when it starts out, I wasn't so... I wasn't against that, just because, like, I was really enjoying the combat system, and I was uh, enjoying interacting with that and leveling up my, my monsters and stuff. Like, that's... that It, it was fun. I, uh, the battles are a little slow, but there's a handy fast-forward button that you can just use to plow through most of the game during battles. So, like, that, the, the, that wasn't that big of a deal for me. It was once you reach the point where you have, you no longer have to think about how you act in fights. And so then it just becomes like, okay, so I have to slog through all these battles and oh, holy crap, this dungeon just keeps going. This is an hour long between save points. Oh my God. Somebody like just cut like five hours out of this game, you know, um, tighten it up a little bit, it doesn't need to be this long, and then it just, it really loses steam, especially, which is disappointing, because that's the point when the story really starts to get interesting. Yeah. Mm. Man, yeah. that's, it's, I wish that it felt, uh, like, I love that it feels so old school, I mm -hmm. love that it's directed 
by uh, this dude who's been involved with the series since, you know, the mid-90s. Like, he knows his Final Fantasy. He yeah. Is, he is deeply ensconced in the Final Fantasy series, and if you were going to have anybody, uh, you know, sort of doing this big tribute game, then you you would want it to be him. And I love how weird it is. Like, oh, yeah. You know, at, at the beginning, even when it seems like it's going, like, Kingdom Heartsy, like, the, the the main characters aren't spunky tweens. They're clearly adults. <laughs> like, they live on their own. Yeah. Like, he wakes up and he's like, time to go to work at the coffee shop and with a stuffed animal on my head. And it's like, what is this shit? Yeah. But, at, you know, at the same time, it, like, it lacks even the modern touches of something like the Dragon Quest VII remake for 3DS. Like, I don't know why this game has random encounters and why it has so many of them. Or, like, why... the ability to... Like, even just the ability, something like Bravely Default, to just turn them off. Yes. Especially yes. for a game that's meant for kids. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I, it, like, yeah. And it, the 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 uh, sort of customization system in leveling up your, uh, your... Your... What are they? Mirages? Mirages, Mirages? yeah. Yeah, I was trying to remember if I needed to pronounce it weird, like like imprisonment. Yeah, you you imprison the monsters, <laughs> right? In a it. prismarium. Uh huh. In your Stop. prismarium. Stop yeah. it. They're called John. The the main characters are referred to as giants with the J. Yeah. Um, uh huh. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's that so, kind of game. <laughs> the, yeah. The the thing is though is that and like Susan was was asking me questions. Uh, as I was like writing the review and and uh, in our in Slack chat and stuff, it's like, well, so it's for kids though. Like, isn't it supposed to be easy? And I'm thinking, like, like I like yes, but you look at something like Pokemon or even Final Fantasy X if you want to make that comparison. And Final Fantasy X is not a difficult game. Like, there are tricky spots in it, but it's not hard as long as you're doing the battles and leveling up and stuff. But that game is built in such a way that you have to switch your party members out because yeah. you'll fight a boss and it's like, oh no, this guy doesn't take physical damage at all. Or like like a flan does not take physical damage at all, right? Like you do it and it takes 10 damage. And you could keep attacking it and take it out that way, but you'll probably die. So you have to switch Lulu in and use her magic ability to take it out because he's weak against magic. And, so and all that works so fast. Yeah. Like the Final Fantasy X battle system is like pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Or like Pokemon, where it's like, yes, that that game is very basic. You know, you have two Pokemon, one on one fights. They're battling each other. They take turns. It's very it's very deliberate in how its its battles are paced. But if you try to bring like one Pokemon against like a rock Pokemon, you're gonna get wrecked. You know, yeah. like you can't. Whereas in this game, it's like, yeah, you'll battles will go faster if you have the right monsters. But if you're diligent with your cure spells. Uh, like if you just cure every other every round or two and just keep using physical attacks, you'll just you'll steamroll through everything around the fifteen hour mark. And that's just that when there's another fifteen hours left in the game, that's a problem. Yeah, man. And then you were telling me that and you know, I, I'm I'm sorry if we're going to some spoiler territory for people. It's not gonna spoil the story or anything. But you plumbed into... You were texting me while you were in the final dungeon. And the final dungeon... God, that seemed like a miserable slog. That actually wasn't the final dungeon. The final dungeon... Oh, no, really? No. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I texted you a picture of it. And it was just like... 
uh, it was this. That was the second to last dungeon, and yeah, it was just like, hey, look at this. Look at this map here. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I've been doing this for 45 minutes. There's not a save point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's. It wants to be a game that appeals to kids, but it also wants to be this sort of nostalgia fueled romp through all the different Final Fantasy games. It's not even all of them. Like, there aren't any characters from 12 in it. Um, I mean, no characters from 15, but, um, you know, that that game's not out yet, so it's probably expected. And, hey, you got to save characters from World of Final Fantasy 2, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I wonder, I wonder if that will happen. I wonder if World of Final Fantasy 2 is going to be a thing. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, like, I hope it does well, I, I and I hope that, because the, they have a solid foundation here. It's just, it, it, it is a really cute story, and I really enjoyed the, the like, the little, fu- hanging out with the little Funko Pop versions of these Final Fantasy characters, and, like, Vivi and Edgar hanging out, uh, like, yeah, Vivi from 9 and Edgar from 6 hang out, and, and they talk about stuff, and they joke, and Lightning is, you know, ridiculously stoic, and people give her crap for it, and, um... Like Tifo has her like alternate costume, which is the cowgirl outfit. Like she she runs around this little Funko Pop character with a cowgirl hat. It's weird. It's a weird That's game. Awesome. I um, like that. You you hang out in like a really tiny version of Nibelheim. It's there are parts of it that like you know it, it plays into the nostalgia a lot. Like in in similar ways that like I am Setsuna did with very specific sorts of callbacks, but this is very specifically calling back like, "Hey, you remember Final Fantasy 6 and those characters? Well, here you go. Um <laughs> Figaro Castle, are. you're you're running or, you know, you're running around Balam Garden or you're doing this fight with Squall and the music, the infiltration music is playing and like Seeing all of that stuff sort of come together in this weird soup of Final Fantasy is really cool. I just... The execution, I feel like... They they need to decide whether or not it's going to be for kids or if they need to, like, actually yeah. put more depth into it. I gotta say, man, it's, it's weird because, you know, for as excited about this game as we were and as sort of let down as you are... It doesn't sound that you, like you're disappointed in World of Final Fantasy in the same way that you were with uh, Star Ocean Five and I Am Setsuna. Yeah, you know, which were the other big Square uh, Square Japan mm-hmm. RPGs that came out this year. Yeah, well, part of the reason for that is uh, World of Final Fantasy. It looks really simple, but mm-hmm. it's got like the production values are actually really good. Um, yeah. Everything's fully voiced. The the animation it, it's clean, but it's it's very very highly detailed. Lots of cool effects. Like it, it looks and sounds, and feels pretty great um, to play. Which is something that I couldn't really say for Star Ocean. Maybe a little more for I Am Setsuna, but still, like I Am Setsuna was very one note, yeah. you know. And yeah, and, and it like was. and it. Whereas World of Final Fantasy is, you're constantly going to new places. You're going, you know, you're hanging out with new characters. You're going to new places. You're doing new things. The game is adding little, little, like more and more elements into the game. You don't have to deal with this asinine ability upgrade system like I am Setsuna that makes no sense and is really cumbersome. Um, and th- it's the fact that I think is more upfront about its nostalgia. And its willingness to do more with it than just say, "Hey, you remember Chrono Trigger?" Um, 
like I, I think I think that it's a little bit better at what it sets it's setting out to do, which is to yeah. take something familiar and put a new spin on it. Even though it's not completely successful, it's still like interesting. And to me, in a way that like I'm setting it was just like, oh my god, they're just they're making Chrono Trigger again, but bad. Um, <laughs> Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy X again. Yeah. Like, but, why bother writing a new story when Final Fantasy X is just sitting right there? Just sitting right there, yeah. It's... like Susan, it, are you still... We, we, we now have a Vita copy of this game for you. Uh, are you, are you going to be diving into that? I know you've been doing a lot of Dragon Quest building. Are you, are you excited to see some of the weirdness of World of Final Fantasy despite these little quibbles uh i i the cuteness of it appeals to me a great deal the you know stacking monsters on top of each other on your head is is totally my jam but there's so many great games out right now like i'm doing the festival of the lost for destiny i'm playing dragon quest builders i i still haven't completed picross i mean there's just there's just too much there's a tide it's so much like I, I wanted to like really quickly ask you guys before we moved on to the next subject because there there is so much great stuff out this mm-hmm. year that like I I don't know if I am projecting this but it feels like the entire gaming world you know like the people that talk about games all the time whether it's on the internet or with their friends mm-hmm. are like almost less interested in the big, huge AAA games of fall 2016 than they are the veritable ocean of smaller, interesting things. Whether that's DLC for Destiny, like this event in Destiny, or, you know, smaller stuff. Like, you know, we were talking before this podcast and on the show yesterday, we had on the developer of The Bunker, which just came out in September for PS4, which is this awesome like we're just gonna call it an fmv game they don't call it that but that's what that's totally what it is Uh, it's what it is it's an fmv game and like it seems like there is a broader sort of evening out in in the gaming world of the audience being you know not beholden just to the triple a stuff am i am i it's is that a fantasy it's uh no that is is certainly when you spend all your time on the internet and you're on Twitter and you're on social media and you, and you run a game site, that is what you're going to be seeing because I think people's tastes are expanding beyond yeah. just the battlefield yeah. and the gears and, and all that. By no means are the AAA titles less popular. Sure, yeah. but yeah. I, No, I, they're, they're still the things that are going to make the most money right. and all that. But, but I, feel I, like, I, yeah. I feel like it's fewer people are talking about like, nobody's talking about Gears. They go play Gears, they go, okay, that was awesome, and that's it. What they're talking about are the games that are new experiences to them, the, the ones where they haven't had that conversation eight times already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, although, like, for what I see people talking about with Battlefield is the discussion about the the weapons, because in multiplayer, that, again, this is World War One. The, the weapons aren't supposed to be particularly accurate because they weren't, and... Some people are embracing that in multiplayer, and some are not. Yeah, yeah, and I, like you know, that's that's a a sort of drilling down into the specifics of something for a pre-established community. But even that and, is a hey, this is a new thing. Right. Let's talk about the yeah. new thing as opposed Let's to talk just about the new thing. yay, Battlefield is awesome, and I love it. Right. 
Yeah, I, it's so funny. You know, I, I have also been playing Gears of War 4. Dave has played a little bit of Gears of War 4. I'm about three quarters of the way through the game. And, you know, we want to talk about the big games that are super relevant on the podcast, like everything for the Sega Genesis. Because yes. You know, relevant games. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't have a ton to say about Gears of War 4 beyond, oh, that feels nice. Oh, it's... That game, cover, man. And then I shot. Are, are you it. liking it? It's boring me I, to tears, man. I, I, I well, it's a game like all the Gears of War games. I, I find Gears of War games interminably boring unless I'm playing with people. And when I play cooperatively with friends, I adore those games. And I like Gears of War Four falls into uh, it's not quite as good as three for me. Is I, I just love three, but it's really good. It's way better than one. It's way better than two. Uh, it's excellent, but like it, it, the the idea that the super prettiness makes this feel like a new game, it doesn't. And while the writing is solid, and they've they're really like, <laughs> it's such a weird thing because they they Gears has always hinted at rich lore. It's like, look at this weird world where it's like sort of agrarian, but it's also super sci-fi, but it all has like Romanesque architecture, but they've never, like, it's all a facade. Like, yeah. If you breathe too hard on the fantasy planet of Gears of War 4, it will fall over like a matte painting because that's all it is. <laughs> and, and like, it's, a, it's a way to justify the fact that there are chest high walls everywhere. Right, uh, and this one, like like Gears Judgment, uh, is written by Tom Bissell. Uh, the script is much better than the script for Gears Judgment, a game I love, but this script is way better. And like, it's charming. Like, there there are funny lines here and there. Like hearing market, like, hearing an old man Marcus Phoenix in like a ruined greenhouse where monsters are attacking you going, no, they're ruining my tomatoes. That's that, awesome. That line was great. That's great. But like, like the, re- the rest of it just feels like, oh no, I, I don't believe, like like the, they, they get the black guy to say, I don't believe this, like Will Smith in yeah, yes. Men in Black. And like, I, it's filled uh, with lines like that. And it just, and it, it, it yeah, feels like a yeah. cartoon show. <laughs> It feels, it literally feels like you're playing, like, they were like, hey, you know what Gears didn't appeal to? The hip young college kids. So let's make the mod squad our main characters. Oh, my God. There's, there is literally, like, football shoulders Nathan Drake, white guy. Yes. Who is the son of Marcus Phoenix. There is black guy who does, like, basically speak lines like Will Smith and Men in Black. And then racially ambiguous hot girl with like hair constantly over her eyes she is a sniper people she doesn't she's not gonna have a hairstyle under her beanie hat that obscures her vision but anyway (laughs) this all started with me saying like there's not a lot to say about gears and then we're talking about gears (laughs) but yeah like like you know i i find these smaller games that that you were talking about, Susan, these things that feel new in the gaming world to be much more fascinating. Uh, before we move on to our next subject, we got in a wonderful question from uh, one of our listeners. Crazy Gaming asked us one question, and then Xavier asked us a follow-up question. 
that uh, these are connected. Mm. So they they wanted to know what do we think of Skyrim Remastered and what is your favorite moment in Skyrim? Uh, I don't think any of us are playing Skyrim Remastered yet. Not yet, no. Uh, not yet, but yet being a key word there. Uh, but I, I don't know about you guys, I definitely sank 60 hours into Skyrim when it first came out. And I'm curious, what what did you, what do you guys, like, what has endured about that? What was your favorite moment? Susan? Oh, well, uh, okay. Yeah. I know you have opinions about this. So thing. here's the thing. I didn't really enjoy Skyrim. Yeah. For a very, so, for a very specific reason, though. <laughs> Also, mind you, I say I didn't enjoy it. I, I, I think about how much of it I played, and I feel like I you did a lot a sh- in that game. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, so in Oblivion, which is still my favorite Elder Scrolls, I never went to Bruma unless it was for a mission because I didn't like the environment. I don't like the snowy environments. They, I don't know why they bother me as much mm. as they do, but I just don't enjoy being there at all. And then Skyrim is nothing... But snow. Yeah. So the, I, I very much liked the dragons. That was, they were, they were the one enemy in a, a lot of games, I, I have to say, that I felt genuinely afraid of. Hmm. You know, I, there's, there's stuff that will kill you because it's overpowered or, you know, you only have like rags on and it's an ogre and you're like, shit, I'm going to die. You know, accidentally wandering into a troll cave, never good. But the dragons, I was like, yes, this is an apex predator. This thing will kill me unless I do exactly the right thing. And that was very, very cool. I loved that. But I did not, it, it, it just doesn't resonate with me because of the location. Yeah, it's really funny, you know, I, like I said, I played like 60 hours of it, and I think maybe I finished 5% of the story. Oh, yeah. Like, I I got just past the point in the story where the big dragon first shows up, and is just like, oh, you're the dragonborn, and I'm gonna mess you up, son. Like, after you meet with the monks and they teach you to shout. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I just stopped there. And was like, I don't like this story. This is dumb. I'm just going to go find my own fun. Go fart around. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I do in Oblivion. Because here's the thing. If you never deliver the amulet in Oblivion, the Oblivion gates never open. So you don't have to worry about... (laughs) The world's fine. Right. Like, you know, it's just just the world is normal. You don't have demons popping up everywhere. So I'm just like, peace. Yeah. Never... Don't go to Kvatch. Just never go to Kvatch. And... That part of the story doesn't unlock, and boom. You could just explore so and do all this stuff. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, I, I had a distinct problem with Skyrim in navigating the world, and I'm wondering if, if I, I will have a similar problem in the new version. I would, I would yeah. try, you know, because you get markers on your map. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you got to go here. And I, I could never figure out how to get over the mountain to get to the place and I was always getting lost or getting stuck or getting whatever. I'm just like, this is not fun for me. Yeah, the, th- the thing that appeals to me about Remastered is the fact that it will just run better. Yeah. You know, yeah. I played on 360 and that was the version that everybody was playing when it came out in 2011, right. but it's still 
ran like a bunch of butts. It was like somebody crammed as many butts as possible onto an Xbox 360 disc and then ran it on an Xbox. Hey, at least it worked. <clears throat> it, yeah, it's unlike, unlike the PS3 version. In the, <laughs> yeah. in the correct direction. As, as opposed to the PlayStation 3 version where you, you put in the disc, a slow trickle of smoke started coming out of your PlayStation 3's disc tray and then Cheese Whiz would come out when you tried to eject it. Uh, yeah, I, like, when you ask what my favorite moment in Skyrim was, my favorite moment in Skyrim was when I realized that I could just level up and become unstoppable by sneaking around town and sneaking fish into people's pockets. <laughs> I could go catch fish, and then... Rather than stealing things from people while pickpocketing them, yeah. I could put fish into their pockets and then know this entire city is filled with people with fish pockets. <laughs> That's that pretty good. Great. Okay, I like but it. were you a Khajiit doing this? No! Because that no. would add just an extra layer to it, I feel. The, the I didn't go Here, with my typical... Khajiit scare, share fish with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't go the usual ball beard route. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't go. I didn't go cat person. I didn't go lizard person. Uh, the, <laughs> I made my wife. My wife was my character. Oh my god, I remember and that, and it looks shockingly like her. It yeah, it looks a lot like her. Yeah. yeah. So I I made I made like this battle mage woman uh, that looked a lot like my wife, and like that was that was all I did. Like I went around reverse pickpocketing people. <laughs> And mastered being a blacksmith. That was mm, all. That was yep. how I spent that game. And I like. I think that's a perfectly valid. Like that's the point of a Bethesda RPG, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, and so the idea of doing that again in a version where I don't have to look at a loading screen for mm, ten minutes mm -hmm. every single time I fast travel. That that's cool. Okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. Now I, I, I kind of want to try putting fish in people's pockets. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Our fish is your fish. <laughs> Dave, what's your what's your Skyrim moment, man? Uh, my favorite Skyrim moment: um, uninstalling Skyrim. Uh, <laughs> wow! Oh no! I no that game like never. Re I I I've tried multiple times to play that game, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast. But I get like six hours in, I get past the intro, I do a couple quests, and go like nah, nah, I'm out, and uninstall it, and, like, I just, uh, the combat, like, even Oblivion I tried to play, and Morrowind, I, like, everyone talks about how great these games are, and, I, like, I realize that I'm probably the broken one here, but, like, the combat has never resonated with me, the world's never really resonated with me, and, like, I, I don't know, I tr I've tried them all, and I just, I get a couple hours in, and I just go, nope, I don't want to play this anymore, and I uninstall it. That's that's my experience with Skyrim. Have a very specific pace and feel and mm -hmm. atmosphere, and you either dig that or you flat out don't. Yeah, there but is like, no like. Yeah, oh, yeah, I like this one, but not that. Like it's it's just you well, either like Bethesda game. It's like Bioware, same thing. You either like it or you don't. I will yeah. say that I spent hundreds of hours playing both Fallout Three and New Vegas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh. So I don't know, like, if that just makes me a weirdo. I don't um, like, dude. I love the Elder Scrolls, and I don't like Fallout. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all it's it's very much about like, does the setting appeal to you? 
does the languid find your own adventure pace appeal to you Mm -hmm. and you know if if these things don't sort of jive in a special blend like like susan said you know morrowind amazing setting snow snow capped vikings episode not so amazing for her uh but yeah uh so our next subject is is far scarier or not scary as the case may be if you are listening to this in the day day this podcast comes out it is halloween and we wanted to bridget recommendations for games uh that we encourage you to seek out because they scare us even though they're not necessarily that scary uh and you would look at it and think that that's not a scary thing. Uh, Dave, you're playing a game that is not technically a, a horror game, but it right. is John Carpentery. Yeah. Which, so, which makes it horror adjacent. Yeah, so I've, I've been playing a lot of Thumper lately. I'm about, I want to say, four or five levels in. Um, there are nine total, but the levels are really long. So uh, I try to do, like... It, it's also not a good game to play at night right before bed. Um, so, the way that I describe Thumper to people is that it is not a scary game or a horror game per se. It is the video game that you would find in a horror movie where after someone plays it and finishes the game, it eats their soul. That is the kind of game that Thumper is. So, when you play it, it, it's this very, um, very atmospheric, very psychedelic looking, um, they, they call it a rhythm violence game, and that's really the best way I think anyone could put it where you play as this little scarab beetle racing down this this roller coaster track thing and you 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 have to press the X button as well as move the analog stick in in time with these obstacles so there are parts where you have to hold down the button to to break through uh, these these walls or you have to hold left or right while holding X to bank around turns or you have to fly over spikes and that sort of thing. And like all of this sounds fairly benign, but every action that you take, uh, the way that the, the music and the sound effects are timed, the way with the, the sort of the special effects, the, the particle effects that happen on screen, um, all of it, like when you bank around a turn, like you feel it, it feels like, like you're getting hit. And, um, as you're going along this track, there are all of these like really dark, spindly uh, objects sort of rotating and undulating around this track, and everything looks really dark, and the music is this very um, polyrhythmic, uh, industrial soundtrack. Like, it's music, but not in the way that you would think of music as being a song with, you know, verse, chorus, verse. It's not like amplitude or frequency. It is like, it is just this really just droning, industrial, drum-heavy track, and your actions go along with the music uh, to an extent. And then at the end of every level, you fight this boss, and it's just this evil face hovering behind the track, and you have to match up the, the sort of the notes that are happening on, in each section to send this energy pulse at him to attack him. And your objective is to make it to these levels to get to the end um, and, and fight the sort of the big boss at the end of the, le- uh, the last level. And like it, none of this really sounds scary, but if you look at it and you spend any amount of time with it, it's just like it, 
you feel like you'll lose something each time, like a part of yourself each time you play. Like the game is so demanding of your of of your abilities, like your reflexes that like you get this weird tunnel vision where like it, it feels like you're kind of zooming in closer and closer on the action as you get more and more invested in each level, and the world just sort of starts to fall away around you, um, especially if you're wearing headphones, um, and. Like it just has this this uncanny ability to entrance you and to like really pull you in and it, like I don't the word Im- immersive gets tossed around all the time to the point where it means nothing but th- this game is everything about it is designed to immerse you in this weird psychedelic like evil world and um and it's also in VR so if you want to like strap in. <laughs> I was just gonna say the VR factor sounds like that would really up the unnerving. Yeah, I, I played a, I played a demo of it at PAX East in VR, and like I took the headset off. I was like, "How long was I in there?" And they're like, 20 minutes." I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, and the fact that the game is really good at making you feel that way even without VR is just a testament to how good. The like again, I'm gonna throw terms around here. Game feel, yeah. Uh, uh, but <laughs> game no, like, feel. I know it's it's a dumb word and it means nothing. But like it, it's the only way that I can describe this game because it has that like physicality that just it gets inside you in a way that that few games. It's just it's really good at doing what it wants to do, and that is just kind of being this sort of weird acid trip nightmare that you exist in and it's like sounds awesome yeah it's like it's 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 not it's not jump scares it's not scary in the sort of like boo uh you know people are dead but it's just it's it's scary in the sense that it's like like it it's the kind of game that that just it it wants to hurt you yeah and it wants your soul are you what? What platform are you playing this on? PS4. PlayStation Four. Yeah, PS4? and it's it's and it's uh, PC and PS4. PC and PS4. The VR is only on PS4 right now, but I think it will get VR support on PC at some point. But like, it runs uh, smooth. Like the sixty frames a second here really uh, does it a service because like that's how like it just it feels like you're in it, and, and I, apparently the PC version can go even higher than that. So. Um, just because like the, the, the graphics are very they're very simple uh, so it can run really well even on relatively re- uh, weak hardware but it's all about this the you know the the atmosphere and the art design of it and uh, even as simple as it is it's really effective yeah. it's it's a it's a dark game man <laughs> so man all right so the other one that came up uh, in this in this sort of freaky, kind of shouldn't be freaky it is a thriller is the bunker and i've just been playing this susan can you can you walk people through what the bunker is sure uh so the bunker which i they they cannot call it an fmv game but it's an fmv game basically it's it's just one of those terms it's never gonna well i mean it's it's it is a game in the very loosest sense it is more of an interactive story in that you don't influence events you just help them unfold it is you play as the sole survivor living in a fallout shelter you were born there uh your your mom was i believe you gave 
my, your mom gave birth the day the bombs dropped. Yeah. And uh, you're now 30 or so, and your mom passes away. She was the last one to go, so it's just you. So she just says, stick to the routine, and you'll be okay. So the, the beginning of the game is you doing exactly that. You check all the things you need to check. You take your meds. You eat. That's it. And then the bunker starts to break down. So you have to investigate what is causing this uh, malfunction and you got to go fix it. And as you do these things, you start to learn the backstory and what actually happened. And there's a little bit of a, of a mystery in there. And you remember things from when you were a kid, like stories that you overheard. And it's, it's a very, very well done story. It's what's, particularly uh, adds to it is the fact that it was filmed in a real fallout shelter. This is a genuine bunker that exists. And so it gives it that really cool feeling of authenticity. Like, yeah, this, this is, this is where people would have hid from all the radiation and stuff. And it's really neat. And it's wonderfully creepy because you take any abandoned facility. I don't like, I don't <laughs> right. care if it was a candy factory, if it's, if it's empty and it's nighttime and it's big and, and, and echoey, it gets creepy. It's the school at night factor. It's the school it's at the, night factor. It, it's right. the school at night factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's also I, I, something that I admire so much about the bunker and what I think is what makes it so effective and scary is the fact that you keep anticipating the supernatural. Right. You keep anticipating there's got to be a fucking monster. There's going to be something horrible around this corner. You keep expecting it to be a typical game. And it never happens. Like, there there are... The only things that are haunting is this guy's brain. Right. And he is haunting himself because he lives in a freaking bomb shelter by himself for 15 years, practically. That's... Is that the timeline, or did his mom... I can't tell what we're supposed to think about the beginning. Like, in terms of how old he is when his mother dies. I, I can't remember when, like, the jump forward is. Because oh, the no, very first thing you see... he She has only just died. She has only just died. She's okay. maybe, you know, maybe a month dead. It's it's recent. It's very, very recent. Because he keeps visiting her corpse. Eh. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I Reading gotta say, stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I gotta give it up to this guy. For uh, a crazy uh, nuclear apocalypse mole man, he's way more adjusted than like a Norman Bates. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like he's yeah. not—he's not like, oh, my mom's dead. Trying to wear her clothes. Yeah. Like he's just like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do my morning routine of eating beans and sitting on the toilet by myself. Yeah, that's a thing I didn't need. I did not need that game. I do not. Need... I love <laughs> that shot. Is so great. Ugh. It is so upsetting. It is just like the most lonely, sad, eating funny a, te- thing a, in the a world. tin of peaches. Oh man! While sitting on the toilet. I I yeah. The bunker like we we can't really talk about it beyond that so much because it is it, it's short. Like you yeah. can play this game in it's, the span of three it's, hours. It's well yeah. It's basically like it's a feature length movie. It's about it's a movie. Like, yeah. yeah, about two hours, three hours, three hours if you're like hunting for everything. But yeah, yeah. about two hours. It's it's really really cool. And highly recommended. That's PC and PS4 right now. And Xbox One, and, I think, isn't and it? And Xbox One. Uh, and, like, it, it just, it has, 
like Thumper, wherein, like, you're just sort of, like, being overwhelmed by a thing, the light amount of interactivity in this creates, like, an incredible feeling of tension. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, like, I don't know about you guys, I hate when you tap a button really fast, and, like, in the middle of a cutscene, to be like, close the door, make Kratos open a treasure chest, be like, shut oh, up, just stop no, making that's the yes. worst. It's terrible. It's the worst. But here... That's something you need to do occasionally, and, like, it actually is effective. Like, I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, Susan, you are about to start another game that falls into this category that also is built almost entirely around the school at night effect. Okay. Which is which is Corpse Party. Yes. And this is, you're going to be playing the 3DS version yes. of Corpse Party, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Corpse Party is actually old. A course party is almost 20 years old now. It was one of the first real breakout indie games to be made with RPG Maker, which is this oh, sort okay. of classic piece of software. Okay. And Corpse Party is a halfway between a sort of Super Nintendo RPG and an old-style point-and-click adventure and a visual novel. Okay, like but what what's the I read the so okay, I, we get press releases with with codes all the time and and I usually just pass them on to the team but this one I was reading the press release I'm like okay what is what is this actually about I like kids school killing each other I'm in but I don't yeah. actually know beyond that what it's really about so here here is your premise and like it is it is vintage Japanese horror like it, it falls right into the category of you know, turn of the century Japanese horror movies. Okay. Uh, and it, like, it's not aping that. Like, I'm sure that there are people who have played Corpse Party and it's like, it's just a bunch of ring bullshit. Corpse Party is contemporaneous with Kuan and Ringu. That's how you pronounce it, right? In the original. I believe so, Japanese. yes. R- Ringu. Ringu. Uh, that's the Texas. Rang- that's that's the, the pronunciation by way of Texas. Yeah, you gotta go and order yourself a nice crab Ringu. Um, go watch Rango, was, too, while you're at it. <laughs> Rango kicks ass. It's a great movie. <laughs> uh, so, you are... there. You you find a group of, of lovely high school friends, uh, boys and girls, staying after class for their, for their club. And it is like... A, like their, their club meeting involves the telling of a ghost story... And they're all about to leave school for the day. And then all of a sudden, there is a lightning flash outside, Scooby-Doo style. And they are in what looks like their classroom, but it is a bad place. And, you know, there are holes in the ground and the desks are scattered everywhere. And some of their classmates have disappeared. And some of them are still there and they don't know what's going on. Oh, all right. I'm in. And the way the game plays from there is it is very much visual novel like you guys are big zero escape uh you know fans mm-hmm. so if you're into virtue's last reward zero time dilemma very similar setup you are exploring the halls and trying to find people and if you make bad choices or sometimes you just won't see it coming the game will end in a horrific grisly way but this is all playing out in like think final fantasy 6 you know it's it's that top down stubby little 2d characters you would never in the world think with as cliched as a setup as that is 
and the presentation, which, you know, looks like a 1995 RPG on Super Nintendo, that it would be scary. I found it so upsetting. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. When I played it on PSP, it really, really affected me. Uh, And I I don't want to spoil this to anybody. If that sounds like the kind of thing you want to play tonight on Halloween, uh, go check it out. And I don't want to spoil anything for you, Susan, because being a horror buff, I think you're going to really enjoy the first half of this game. Oh, okay. All right. I think the second half might lose you. Okay. Uh, but, you know, as you're looking around that first horrific, uh, classroom that is like this dark mirror of yours, it's just text descriptions. So if you have a vivid sort of imagination and you're susceptible to horror, they, they will go up to a window and they'll be like, I'm trying to look out the window when I realize that the window isn't a real window. It looks like it's been drawn on the wall. Okay. But it still looks real. And then one of the doors out of the classroom sort of looks like the same thing. Like, it's not a thing that I can physically touch, even though it looks like a thing I can physically touch. And then there's a glass bureau in the corner of the room that, you know, should be holding books. And instead, it's just filled with human hair. Ooh, yeah. Uh. Right? Uh. Yes. That was that was the image. And, like, it will, like, flash it up. Like, there'll be, like, a portrait on the screen after you examine it of this cabinet filled with black human hair. And Corpse Party is just littered with that kind of thing. Awesome. It's just, yeah, like... I will say that it it suffers from the same thing that all horror movies and horror any horror it doesn't matter what the medium is that the further you get into it and the more success you have the less effective it is at freaking you out mm. like the moment you have confidence in that world it stops really upsetting you uh Susan you you being such a massive horror movie buff. Yes. Do you have any suggestions? I, we have an awesome list on Games Radar of horror movies for people that don't love horror. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for a great movie that doesn't have the reputation of horror, but you think works as a great horror movie. Uh, Alien. Mm. Yes. People don't t- tend not to think of it as a, as a horror movie because it's in space and it's a cl- sci-fi classic, but it is straight up gothic horror. The Thing, also, amazing horror movie, not one that tends to be... Anything that, that goes, that skews towards sci-fi, people don't tend to think of when they think of horror movies. Event Horizon is garbage, but I love it. <laughs> oh, man, that, that movie is so shit. bad. It's so bad. Oh, it's so good. But I love it. I watch it every time it's on. Uh, that's another fine choice, although there's there's a high enough body count in that one that people do kind of tend to think of think of it as horror but yeah skewing towards the science fiction end of things you will stumble across a lot of different horror themed um oh god there's one on mars oh 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 what's it called last days on mars that's it oh what is that i've never even heard uh it is how do i put it without yeah it's hard to talk about these okay it's 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 a scientific expedition on mars and mm-hmm. s- some strange things start happening, and they try to figure out what it is with their limited resources. Cool. All right. Perfect. 
Uh, one that is very much in the same vein that I would recommend because I found this movie so scary mm-hmm. and so upsetting, mm-hmm. even though I like nobody ever really talks about it that way, is Moon. Oh, Moon's a great and, movie. Yeah. Really? You think... Uh, mm, uh, yeah, I can see that. Moon's scared the shit out huh. of me. Okay. Yeah. Like, that was the kind of movie that I just, like, stayed up at night staring at the ceiling. And without spoiling too much of that, uh, it's funny we should talk about Moon when we were talking about the bunker. Sort of similar setup. It's a guy who is on the moon, who is there to keep mining equipment okay. Mm-hmm. He's there by himself. That's the setup. And it's Sam Rockwell. He's, he's sitting up there being charming Sam Rockwell. and then Being crewman number so six charming. from Galaxy Quest. Yes. And crewman number six from Galaxy <laughs> yeah. Quest. But he doesn't have his dirt stash anymore. <laughs> oh, I have, I, uh, have, uh, I have one more. Yeah. Europa Report. I've heard that Europa Report is awesome. It is. It is a fantastic movie. It's a great sci-fi movie. It's a great found footage movie. It's a great horror movie. And also, relatively speaking, scientifically accurate. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I, uh... Yeah, it- I, yeah. I really dig uh, Ex Machina. I think like like a lot. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would consider it a horror movie per se, but that I movie would, is yes. freaky as shit. It is. It's disturbing. Dude, that, yeah, like like from from the word go, that movie is so good at making you just f- this constant sense of discomfort. Yep, yep. It's very skin crawly. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. If you okay, if we're going that way, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Yes. Oh. Nightcrawler is like skin crawly in a different it way. Is, like if that's a that's a horror movie. I had to yeah. take a I had to take a shower after that yeah. movie. I felt so <laughs> slimy. Yeah. Oh my god. So these are all non traditional horror movies for your yeah. Halloween enjoyment. Yeah, these are the if you guys need a playlist for tonight, that is the one to freaking go with. Man, Nightcrawler and Ex Machina back to back ah. will no. just make you. No no feel no no like no. A, one or the other. Like a dirt you get, ball. No. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the present is crap, and hey, look, so is the future. Awesome, <laughs> great. Hey, the present is shit, and why is Poe Dameron an asshole? Uh, <laughs> it's the Poe Dameron is an asshole show. Uh, Dave, you got a question from uh, one of our one of our wonderful regulars. Uh, yeah. Who the podcast and the stream render B. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting question. Uh, it's about the switch. Mm. Um. And, like, uh, he's asked me some stuff about, like, Final Fantasy XV um, similarly, but uh, his question is, do you think Nintendo will join Sony and Microsoft in adding accessibility features for the Switch? Font size, zoom, remapping, etc. Because I believe, um, like, he, he's mentioned that his eyesight isn't very good, and he can't play Final Fantasy XV because the text is very Tiny, small. Yeah. And there's no real way to enhance it. Uh, so he's wondering if you think that, like, if the Nintendo Switch will have those sorts of accessibility features, like the like the PS4 does. Uh, I will say that Nintendo has proven themselves over the past decade to be very, very supportive of attempts to make games accessible to people across the board you know mm-hmm. I, one of the one of the greatest things uh on the wii u and Wii, there are like settings to like change how big and the 3ds does this as well just settings to change how big the icons are on your menu you know which seems like such a 
basic thing to to change the layout of what you see on the screen. Uh, but Nintendo was really good about remembering to include that sort of thing. And Nintendo was also instrumental in encouraging, you know, uh, platinum games when they were making Bayonetta 2. You know, Bayonetta 2 is this incredibly, incredibly complex action game. And Nintendo encouraged Platinum to make not just an easy mode, but something that somebody who can't even hold a controller and has that sort of thumb dexterity can play. And Able Gamers, which is a, you know, uh, a, a, a nonprofit that supports uh, development and encourages like the handicapped community in gaming, uh, you know, they've lauded Bayonetta 2 because you can play it with just the stylus and it still feels like a great game uh, so I think that Nintendo is has a great history considering accessibility for that sort of thing and I, I wouldn't expect the Switch to be any different that said I, I uh, prepare yourself for the Switch to be annoying in other ways too <laughs> Like, yeah, like like those like, controllers are really tiny. <laughs> let's not, and also let's not forget that like e even when Nintendo makes smart decisions, they'll have stuff like, oh, you can fix the overscan on the Miiverse in Wii on the Wii U, but you can't in games yeah. because those options are separate and exist on one program but not on another. Yeah, Susan, how do you feel about this? Do you think the Switch is going to be uh, readily accessible for everybody? I think it'll be as accessible as games and consoles are at the moment, which is to say not much. Yeah. There's not enough attention given to colorblind gamers, to gamers who need to be able to do things like adjust the font size. It's just not something that's given enough priority. It's not that they actively think it's not important, it's it's it skews more towards they just don't think of it in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think I think they will certainly I, I I can see no reason why they wouldn't do the things they have already done. You know, on other systems that they have. I don't think they will take it past that point though. No. Yeah. Um. I we did get another question. Uh. I don't know. I don't know if Susan and Dave can weigh in on this one, oh, but Axel on Twitter. Wanted to say, now with Kingdom Hearts 1.5 oh, plus 2.5 for PlayStation 4 has been announced. And please refer to it as Kingdom Hearts 4 so there is no confusion whatsoever. Is the series worth it? And the answer is yes, yes. everybody. <laughs> You're I don't know goddamn about you, right. I don't know about you, but I'm going to buy those games on PS4. Because <laughs> I am a broken person who's... Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have been, I, I, I will say, so Axel asked us this question, and I, I, I didn't buy King, Kingdom Hearts HD either release on PlayStation 3 because those, those games came out in like 20, uh, 2012 and 2013. We knew PlayStation 4 was coming. Yeah. No, Square Enix. I'm not buying these games three times. It's not happening <laughs> until you announce some crazy limited edition, and then I will buy them three times. I played, I played Dream Drop Distance at PAX West in 60 frames a second in Kingdom Hearts is weird. Yep. It's weird. Yeah. Very excited. Very excited. But, uh, I, I'm pumped about it. Uh, yeah, everybody. Wait, is it actually called Kingdom Hearts 4? 
No. no. Okay, I was going to say. Like, it's just people are making that joke because 1.5 plus 2.5. Right, you know, okay. Is, okay. God, those 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 guys. Those, those guys. freaking guys. What, um, Final Chapter Prologue doesn't make sense to you? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no. Man. So, next week on the show, we will we will have more of the hot new things to talk about. I think all of us are going to be checking out Titanfall 2 in the next week. I'm really excited to to dig into that. We also will be talking about, or at least I will be talking about, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Oh boy. And I hope, I, I believe, I'm excited to talk about that, I hope actually. I hope it's good. I haven't played a Call of Duty campaign in oh, nine years. Well, here, here's, so, what's, here's what's interesting for me in, in regard to this. The, I like I like shooters, but I don't like shooters that are at all contemporary. Yes, yeah, so, exactly. Like my the thing I always say is, stick it in space and I'll play it. Stick it in space mm-hmm. and I'll play it. Well, shit. Yeah, <laughs> COD Star Wars. They stuck it they in space. So they stuck it in space. Yeah, there are straight up like X wing fighters and shit. Totally, yeah. And, yeah, like, I, I'm really excited. And actually, if anybody is interested, we are going to have the writer of Call of Duty Infinite Warfare on our stream on November 8th. So One thing I want to ask him, Monday, seriously, I want to know what the process is for coming up with the names. I com- Yes. Right? I want to I know all these Like, is it just a whiteboard <laughs> where they just put adjectives <laughs> and nouns up there? I guess, like, you, the problem is, is Soap McTavish. Oh, my God. Is oh like, my god, that is one of the greatest names. It's such in a good name. Piece of fiction ever. Like, there's no topping soap McTavish. So I think that they're constantly just trying to reach for that rainbow again. <laughs> reach for that rainbow. <laughs> Infinite Brofest. No. Uh, do you guys have any other recommendations? Games, movies, things that people should be doing with themselves this week, since it's Halloween. Uh, I started I started the silver case up yesterday on PC. You gotta, you gotta keep that silver case talk for the oh, PlayStation Oh man, it's it's weird as hell. <laughs> like like 15 minutes in, and I'm like, oh boy, this is uh, this is gonna be a suit of 51 game, isn't it? Um, so yeah, uh, go play that. Or if you don't have a PC, it's coming to PS4, uh, courtesy of NIS early next year. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Mini Metro I just, for the mobile device yes. of your choice. What is that? Mini Metro. Oh man, it's, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It is the the premise is really really simple. Using your finger, you drag between symbols, circles, squares, triangles which represent subway stops. And you have to build a subway system to get all your passengers where they need to go. That's it. Hmm. And and I should play yep. this. Yes. Like I have it, I have a fo- I have a phone that will actually run things. Again. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah. I I got, I got an iPhone SE because I'm constantly four years behind. You are, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it scratches that that sort of that city planning itch that SimCity does, or at least did before they crapped the bed. Uh, but it's all it's all abstracted and like pretty. Yeah, it's it's very pretty and it's very it's very simple. Mm-hmm. You're just you're connecting lines. The subways move from line to line, and sometimes like certain stations will get overloaded with passengers, so you have to connect another line or decide where you want to add new cars. And certain stations have to go to certain places. And like, oh, 
I'm out of bridges, so I can't build a tunnel right. through through the water. So you need to figure out a way to get the people there without getting. Yeah, it's just it's elegant and <laughs> really good, and you will lose an entire day playing that. I shit you not if you play it. Oh, and plus there's daily uh, challenges. Yeah. Just, oh god. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. My 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 recommendation to everybody, uh, if you haven't been listening to this podcast and you haven't heard me rant about it for a month and a half straight i'm i'm i got i got back on my dragon quest 7 oh horse God. i'm coming up on 30 hours oh i'm God. diving deep into that job system i love this game uh my real recommendation is uh just out in the past few weeks is ship to shore vinyl company's zuntata compilation and if you don't recognize the name zuntata they were Taito's house band for their arcade games. And so this record has uh, freaking Elevator Action Returns, which is one of my favorite you know, soundtracks of all time, favorite games of all time. That's really awesome. And it has tracks from an incredible, ridiculous, futuristic Knight Rider arcade game called Knight Striker. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. It's amazing. And uh, coming up sometime in the near future... They're going to be releasing Darius on vinyl, uh, the old shooter, and a certain somebody is going to be writing the liner notes for it. Yay! I don't know if you guys are interested in reading the rant about video game music. <laughs> the topic, but, yeah. most topical of video games. That's my. That was my exciting news this week. Was that? I that is very exciting news. Notes. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Congratulations. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to do that. And like the Darius soundtrack kicks ass. Are you guys remember Darius? Nope. Are you familiar with this series? No. All right. So Darius in the land of classic like shmups, which is not a term people use anymore. It's a very old fashioned sentence. Uh, while you have your Gradius, and Gradius is like shoot the core, and then you have your life force, which is shoot the core, but it's a brain, and then you have your R type, which is shoot the core, but you have a ball that's a satellite for your ship, and you can control it. Darius was a shooter where all of the bosses are like giant spaceships that are also fish. Oh, awesome! (laughs) Yeah. Darius is weird as hell, because you'll get to an end of the level, and it'll be like enemy ship approaching, and then a planet-sized, like, perch will come out. And start shooting you. Uh, it's awesome. It's so good. <laughs> uh, I look this game yeah. up. Yeah, that's uh, that's the news. So, all right, everybody, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening and happy Halloween. Yes, have a safe Halloween. Uh, say hi to David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> 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 <laughs>